was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 11th of July 2008. For newcomers, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and download lots of the previous talks and listen at your leisure. It will give you lots of shortcuts to what's happening today, where we're going with it, and lots of the big players behind it. And I show a lot of the methodology used to control the minds of vast amounts of people across the planet so that we all go along with this agenda quite willingly, thinking we're just, well, evolving, you know, through cultural changes and so on. And nothing is further from the truth. Also look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download written in the various languages of Europe. I filled in for John Stadmiller for two hours tonight. And what's interesting is I don't prepare where I'm going with talks generally. I just let my thoughts start to flow. And you don't have to dream up stuff to talk about because when your mind starts to function, you have so much crowded inside your head and so much data you can put together connect the dots, and then put out again to other people. But I was talking about the bad side of this, the downside, the side that people don't like to look at, because when you understand that war has been declared upon everybody on the planet, every citizen of the planet, a planned, premeditated war by very rich people, very powerful people with big foundations to back them, with the fraternities all working together, all intermeshed towards the same one agenda to bring us into a brave new world scenario. With even their timetables are marked out like good businessmen do. Big corporations mark out the next century to do with their investments. And it's the same thing because we are the investments, you see. We are the labor. We are the material which they will keep rebuilding until they perfect it. And perfection means serving them better. We have all the data we need to do with the coming food shortages that's been hyped across the planet. And then, my goodness, you look into the Royal Institute of International Affairs website, this non-profit, non-political organization that just happens to speak on behalf of all aristocracy. And one of their major think tanks is working on the coming food shortages, and they have been for the last 15 years. It's on news to us, you see. How would they know? Well, it's because it's on the cards. They plan it. They plan the future and make it happen. That's the beauty of running from the top and pulling the strings of all those beneath. You can plan a future and pull it off. You can make it so, as they say. So mote it be. As a big judge whacks the gavel 
you make it so. You make, you actually plan a future, you make it happen, you pull it off, and then you feel like a god. Especially when there's only a few of you knew how it was done. The rest don't know. They think they evolved into a new system. And they even are taught that somehow they had something to do with it. Making your own culture, your generation, talking about my generation. What a joke, eh? What a joke. And the joke's on us. But it doesn't have to be forever. It's up to us to wake up now and fully wake up by understanding the truth. Back after this break with more on this topic. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix. And just trying to shake up a few people here and there, those who are capable of being all shook up into the reality uh, that's going on. The big reality, not just the daily reaction we have to, they're doing this to us today, they did this to us yesterday, they're going to do this to us tomorrow. Like little mice in the lab cage in the laboratory. You see the big picture and realize that we've all been had. We've always been had. And our parents were had too, and their parents before them. That's the trick to it, we've all been had, given a fake reality. And meanwhile, during this fake reality, they can publish big events of coming gloom and doom, which is all planned, of course, like the food shortages and the coming riots that they published in the Department of Defense in Britain, that they just know is coming down the pike. And it's quite easy to see them pulling all the strings now with the gasoline and all the fuel going through the roof, and that's nothing to where it's supposed to end up going. The big trick is to keep us all happy and contented and mind-bombed with useless data and lots of entertainment while they publish this stuff in front of our faces to get us subliminally conditioned to its, its coming. That's how it's done. And, you know, I used to wonder about ancient times, too, and how well the elite lived in all ages and how they mocked the peasantry below them that fed them and clothed them and kept them in such luxury and fought all their wars for them and enslaved other people for them. It's a great thing about slaves. We tend to enslave others and we're given little medals for doing so. Well, here's an article from... It's from theguardian.co.uk on Tuesday, July the 8th, 2008. It's just straight out of ancient Rome. Because the G8 meeting uh, to do with the coming food shortages and all the other global warming, you know, we don't have weather anymore, we have, we have climate change. So all of this stuff, this, all these big cons are meant to bring us into the new, a new line. We're getting brought into line, lined up like ducks, that is, for this brave new world order. And here they are after Brown's speech, you know, the Prime Minister of Britain. And they're all interchangeable. I, I generally don't even learn their names because they're interchangeable. They're just front men. They're actors acting a part, a pre-written part. But Brown gave a big, big speech about oh, how the Britons have to tighten their, their, their... And you know, I've heard this my whole life, being brought up in Britain, tighten your belt. And here they're at it again, tighten your belt and stop eating so much and yada, yada, yada. This is to a nation that from the 50s onwards, right through to the 70s, used to beg the butchers for bones to put in, into the soup for, for meat because he couldn't afford it. And 
here, this is, as I say, this is from the, the guardian.co.uk. Here's the hypocrisy of them, just like ancient, ancient Caesars laughing at the peasantry. And it's from July the 8th, 2008. It's also from the Guardian. As the food crisis began to bite, the rumblings of discontent grow louder. Finally, after a day of discussing food shortages and soaring prices, the family stomachs of the G8 leaders could no longer bear it. The most powerful bellies in the world were last night compelled to stave off the great Hokkaido hunger by fortifying themselves with an eight-course, 19-dish dinner prepared by 25 chefs. This multi-pronged attack was launched after earlier emergency lunch measures, four courses washed down with with and a serious, I don't know, I didn't pronounce this thing, Grillet 2005 had failed to quell appetites enlarged by agonizing, overfeeding the world's poor. The G8 gathering had been seen as a world food shortages summit as leaders sought to combat spiraling prices of basic foodstuffs in the developed world and starvation in the developing world. But not since Marie Antoinette was supposed to have leaned from a Versailles palace window and suggested that the breadless peasants eat cake can leaders have demonstrated such insensitivity to daily hardship than at the luxury Windsor Hotel on the Japanese island of Hokkaido. After discussing famine in Africa, the peckish politicians and five spouses took on four bite-sized amuse-bouche to tickle their palates. The price of staple foods may be soaring, but thankfully caviar and sea urchin are within the purchasing power of leaders and their taxpayers. The amuse-bouche featured corn stuffed with caviar, smoked salmon and sea urchin, hot onion tart and winter lily bulb. Isn't that nice? Hmm? Guests at the summit, which is costing and pound two, 238 million, I guess, were then able to pick items from a, a tray modelled on a fan and decorated with bamboo grasses, including diced fatted tuna fish, avocado, and jellied soy sauce, and pickled conger eel with soy sauce. That's for the jaded palate. Hairy crab, kirani, kigani, bisque-style soup, was another treat in a meal prepared by the Michelin-starred chef Katsuhiro Nakamura, the grand chef at Hotel Metropolitan Edmund in Tokyo alongside salt-grilled, big-hand, thorny head, which is a small red Pacific fish, with a vinegary water-pepper sauce. They have told their people to tighten their belts for lean times ahead, but you feared for presidential and prime ministerial girdles after the chance to tuck into further dishes, including milk-fed lamb, roasted lamb with, with, with kips, the black truffle with emulsion sauce, Finally, there was a fantasy dessert, a special cheese selection accompanied by lavender honey and caramelized nuts, while coffee came with candied fruit and vegetables. Leaders cleverly skated around global water shortages by choosing from five different wines and liqueurs. Earlier, the heads of state had restricted themselves to a light lunch of asparagus and truffle soup, crab and supreme of chicken, served with nuts and beetroot foam, followed by a cheese selection, peach compote, milk ice cream, and coffee with petit four. Fresh from instructing his population to waste less food, 
It could only be hoped that Gordon Brown polished off every single morsel on his plate. Andrew Mitchell, the Shadow Secretary of State for International Development, said, The G8 have made a bad start to their summit with excessive cost and lavish consumption. Surely it's not unreasonable for each leader to give a guarantee that they will stand by their solemn pledges of three years ago at the Glen Eagles to help the world's poor. All of us are watching, waiting, and listening. I should add, burp, because that's what it boils down to. And this is the farce of psychopathic elites down through the ages with their massive hypocrisy and their complete absence of shame. Psychopaths have no shame, you see. As they tell the world to tighten their belts and how sorry they feel for us, etc. But then it's all our own fault for causing global warming, isn't it? Well, I don't know how you feel about that, but it makes you a bit peckish. So I'll forgive you if you go for a little snack of bread and butter. We're living, as I say, in an utter fantasy world, a fantasy world run by psychopathic crooks, a big world mafia, and their lesser henchmen that are simply pulled out of the masses of the, the brothers, the higher brothers, to pimp for their masters and pretend they're world leaders. As they plan wars upon the world and wars to strip every citizen on the planet of every means to sustain themselves independently of the system. You cannot have independence in an interdependent world and that's basically the law now at the United Nations, global interdependence a term that I've read many times and quoted many times and read from books from even the 1700s from London talking about their brave new world that they'd bring in of interdependence. And who would have thought it meant you, the individual, would be totally dependent upon them for every sip and morsel that you swallow. That's the reality of the world. These, these are the characters who've caused famines down through the ages here, stuffing their faces at the taxpayer's expense. As I've said earlier, the Department of Defense published, this is how audacious it is, they publish what they're going to do to the public. What do you think 30 years of riots are all about? What do you think is coming down the pike as they've militarized the world, they've, they've militarized the planet, your countries are militarized, your cops are militarized, and you are the ones with the guns, where the guns are pointed at. You are the guys getting searched and asked for your ID. What do you think is coming down? They can't make it any more blatant, and the best of it is they use our labor, that they take off us in taxes to fund more labor, to make all the weaponry that's going to control you all and to pay the wages of all these guys that are going to bash you on the head and use their high-tech gimmickry on you. It's time for those who understand what's going on to turn their backs on the happy jacks. You know, those folk that say, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear the negative. It's time to leave them behind. 
like a staging rocket that's served its purpose. Here's an article here from the newscientist.com, new service, by David Handling. This stuff's all over the media, this is what I'm about to read today. This is microwave ray gun controls crowds with noise. This is from the 17th of June, 2008. I'll read it when I come back from this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, trying to wake people up to the reality that's blatantly in front of them, of the hypocrisy of the same elite gangsters and their henchmen and frontmen that play to the crowds. They play to the gallery, too, but they play to the crowds and con us all along this particular path that we're on into this new system we're going into, a system where the average person truly will think it's all just developing by happenstance, and they better go along to save the world, the planet, or whatever else it is. Maybe save Willie the will. And this is from thenewscientist.com, 3rd of July, 2008, by David Handling. A U.S. company claims it's ready to build a microwave ray gun able to beam sounds directly into people's heads. Now, this is really old stuff because they're already doing it. They're using this stuff in ads, to put ads in your head in New York. The device dubbed Medusa, beautiful name, eh, Medusa, mob excess deterrent using silent audio. They love these things. They love these little things. Mob excess deterrent using silent audio exploits the microwave audio effect in which short microwave pulses rapidly heat tissue causing a shockwave inside the skull that can be detected by the ears. A series of pulses can be transmitted to produce recognizable sounds. Now also what they're not telling you here is they can up the up the power and fry you. They can cook your brain if they want to. The device is aimed for military or crowd control applications but may have other uses. Lev Sadovnik of the Sierra Nevada Corporation and the U.S. is working on the system, having started work on a U.S. Navy's research contract. Is your military again? The Navy's report states that the effect way it was shown to be effective. It's shown to be effective because they've been using this stuff and they've cooked Palestinians over in the Middle East before with it. They found a bus, busloads of people cooked and fried. It was through microwave weaponry that was used. They've had this stuff already. But this stuff here is a more minor one to be used on crowd control. Guess where? It'll be for back home. It says, Scarecrow Beam. Medusa involves a microwave auditory effect loud enough to cause discomfort or even incapacitation. Sadovnik says that normal audio safety limits do not apply since the sound does not enter through the eardrums. The repel effect is a combination of loudness and the irritation factor, he says. You can't block it out. Sadovnik says the device will work thanks to a new reconfigurable antenna developed by colleague Vladimir Monasson. It steers the beam electronically, making it possible to flip from a broad to a narrow beam 
or aim at multiple targets simultaneously. He says that the technology could have non-military applications, of course. Birds seem to be highly sensitive to microwave audio, he says, so it might be used to scare away unwanted flocks. Oh, ho, ho. So the Navy is given millions of bucks because, because they think that birds are a nuisance. Okay, that's a beauty. That's a beauty. Sadovnik has also experimented with transmitting microwave audio to people with outer ear problems that impair their normal hearing. So here they are. They're going to help the poor, unfortunate people with hearing problems. I love how they always pull the same stuff into it, isn't it? <laughs> they always pull the same rubbish into it whenever they're doing something that's going to be used on the public. And then it's got brain damage risk. James Lynn of the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department at the University of Illinois in Chicago says that Medusa is feasible in principle. He's carried out his own work on the technique and was even approached by the music industry about using microwave audio to enhance sound systems, he told New Scientist. That's old, old news. But is it going to be possible at the power levels necessary, he asks. Previous microwave audio tests involved very quiet sounds that were hard to hear. A high-powered system would mean much more powerful and potentially hazardous shockwaves. What's interesting here is that we're living in a world now of intense microwave radiation from cell phone towers all over the place. Why is that? It's because the cell phone towers and all the, the booster ones along the way are going to be used to track and trace you wherever you go. It's already been used in some European cities because the ID cards have active chips in them. But it's also meant to go a step further because through such technology, they can control the minds in certain ways. This is old, this is old stuff. This is very old stuff. They can, they can alter the behavior and the mood of vast amounts of people by microwave technologies. A documentary on the CBC about two years ago was shown where a doctor is maybe the first one to do so did a survey on a new phenomenon they're calling cell phone phenomena or cell phone radiation phenomena and she had a meter which could detect the, the microwave and she walked through Toronto showing you the, the levels of radiation wherever you went and explained that there's a different kind of radiation. It's a spiky radiation. And people now have a syndrome. It's called microwave uh, cell phone syndrome, where depending again on your physiology and maybe even your gene type, it can affect you and make you incredibly depressed, lethargic, give you various symptoms. And they talked to various victims who'd moved out of the city who completely recovered very quickly. Some of them could even go back into the city and last eight hours and get back out at night. But this is a real phenomenon. And they're determined to have these, these incredible forces across the whole planet. We're living, we're basking in microwave radiation. Back with more after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. I 
I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just going over some of the stuff that's been revamped again as though it was brand new, which is meant to familiarize you with the inevitability of it being used on you. They always train us gradually to inevitability and predictive programming, as they call it. And here's another one. Before going to the callers, I'll read a little article here. And it's from the Washington Times to do with, with uh, another beautiful little thing they have here. Something I'd mentioned about four months ago. The French were testing it out. Uh, and now it's come to America. It says, by Jeffrey Denning, just when you thought you'd heard it all, a senior government official with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has expressed great interest in a so-called safety bracelet. And remember the terms I'm using, safety bracelet. And what is a safety bracelet, as we've known it so far, is something that certain people will wear, medical bracelets, etc., like, like diabetics and so on, epileptics as well. People who are allergic to certain things in case they pass out and are given certain drugs. So they use these terms that you're familiar with, safety bracelet that would serve as a stun device, similar to that of a police taser. According to this promotional video found at the Lambert Less Lethal Inc. website, the bracelet would be worn by all airline passengers. And they show you a video along with this, the link will be on it. This bracelet would take the place of an airline boarding pass contain personal information about the traveller, be able to monitor the whereabouts of each passenger and his her luggage, shock the wearer on command, completely immobilising him or her for several minutes. The electronic ID bracelet, as it's referred to, would be worn by every traveller until they disembark the flight at their destination. Now that's a lie because the French version that was put out a few months ago said that they could even be made to wear it for their whole stay in that certain country. But I'll continue with that little bit of indiscretion. Yes, you read that correctly. Every airline passenger would be tracked by a government-funded GPS, that's Global Positioning Satellite, containing personal, private, and confidential information, and would shock the customer. The customer? Huh. I thought prices were, were bad enough to shock you. Now they're going to put bracelets on you. Shock the customer worse than an electronic dog collar if the passenger got out of line. Clearly, the electronic ID bracelet is a euphemism for the EMD safety bracelet, or at least as a nefarious hidden ability. Thus, the term ID bracelet is, is ambiguous at best. EMD stands for electromuscular disruption. Oh, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> electromuscular disruption. Again, already a different one if you're third class, maybe even more of a disruptor. Again, according to the promotional video, the bracelet can completely immobilize the wearer for several minutes. They could probably kill you with it, too. So is the government really that interested in this bracelet? Apparently so. According to this letter from DHS official Paul S. Rewalt of the Science and Technology Directorate, Office of Research and Development, who was written to, who, which was written to the inventor whom he had previously met with, Rewalt wrote, to make it clear, we, the federal government, are interested in the mobilizing security bracelet and look forward to receiving a written proposal. The letterhead, in case you were wondering, is from a U.S. Department of Homeland Security office at the William J. Hughes Technical Center at the Atlantic City International Airport, 
of the Federal Aviation Administration headquarters. In another part of the letter, Mr. Rewalt confirmed that it is conceivable to envision a use to improve air security on passenger planes. Would every paying airline passenger flying on a commercial airplane be mandated to wear one of these devices? I cringe at the thought. Not only could be used as a physical restraining device, but also as a method of interrogation, according to the same aforementioned letter from Mr. Rewalt's. Would you let them put one of those on your wrist? Would you allow the airline employees, which would be mandated by the government, to place such a bracelet on any member of your family? Why are tax dollars being spent on something like this? Is this a police state or is this America? So, so there you go. That was posted on July the 9th in the Washington Times. What do you think all this is about? We cannot be debased enough, you know. I can remember not so long ago, the average American would get rather loud at any inconvenience that tried to stop him or hold him up on his journey anywhere in the world because he really thought he had rights. And perhaps just the thinking of it made him act that way. And yet in no time at all, they've conditioned the public to bend over, allow body cavity searches, men of all ages to remove their belts, hold their pants up and walk through in their bare sock, uh, stockings, feet, through security equipment. And where is the terrorism? Huh? We are all the terrorists, you see. That's the message that we're all getting. And what do you do with all terrorists? Well, you humiliate them, debase them, and torture them. And who's it being done to? The public of the world. Quite simple. Straightforward. Now we'll go to the, the phones now, and we've got Mark from Pennsylvania on the line. Are you there, Mark? I am, Alan. Good evening to you. Good evening. I, uh, I don't know if you remember many, many Friday nights ago when we ran out of time, we talked about that famous compound word, the rapist, which yep. is therapist. And you said that That's there were right. hundreds of words similar to that. I've only been able to find weird words like that. For example, Protestant is protest ant, which doesn't really right. make sense to me. Do you have like a quick three words that are just mind-blowing like that? And the reason I ask is when I'm waking up people, for some reason when I tell people about the rapist, it really jars them. And yep. I'm looking for more backup for my... my <coughs> well, you know, well, number one, do you know why it's called the rapist? No. What, is a, what does a psychiatrist have in common with a mass murderer? You got me. You put me on. I don't know. What does a psychiatrist do? Well, you mean what they really do, or what they t what we're told that they do? You are trained to allow a person inside your mind. Right. Mm -hmm. You are raped from the inside. Mm -hmm. All the little secrets, all the little rights and safeguards you have, which defend you as an individual person are bust wide open as you allow this person in. It's the same technique that rapists do on their victims. Right. You overwhelm them, you get off on completely conquering, conquering 
the victim. Right, I was going to say it's, it's a control thing. Yes, yeah, a control, and of course that's part of the reason why they said they would raise everything up to the status of experts and alter completely your reality of everything because you wouldn't be able to think for yourselves. You'd allow the experts to literally dictate everything to you, but also to get right into your mind and even tell you that you are abnormal if you didn't go along with them. Mm -hmm. That's happened in today's society. They're drugging children. They want to drug children in the womb now, you know that? Well, it doesn't surprise me, no. Oh, yeah, they've actually talked about, uh, oh, this is a potential, this is a potential, that potential, my depression. There's no end to it as they re-engineer society. You're talking about the, the word ant. An ant is a wingless bee. Mm -hmm. An ant comes in after the bees leave the hive. The bees make all the honey. The ant comes in and is part of the clean, the clean-up crew. Right. They take all the work that's been done by others. They use these symbols today. They use these symbols in ancient Egypt, the ant, the bee, and so on. And uh, they say that's their job. The ants come in and clean up all the work that's been made, all the, the honey by the workers. Mm -hmm. And that's why that, that word is, is in there. That's why you have the holy ant, the, the DV ant, the holy ant, the DV ant oh, as well. Okay. The deviants are in control. <laughs> but I won't, I won't spend the, the, this show no, down words for people. No, I was just but looking that, for, that I was just looking you for a few more examples. how it works. Yeah, yeah. 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 I appreciate your help, Alan. Oh, right, thanks for calling. Have a good night. Now, Carl from Montreal, are you there, Carl? Hello. Hello. Hey, uh, just listening to your show here, you know, what your last caller just said about psychiatry or the rapist, how they rape your mind. Um, yeah. Well, as you know, I think I've talked to you on your show before. I'm being detained based on psychiatric reasons in Canada, and it's um, been almost 15 months now. It's going on 15 months that I've been detained by immigration, and uh, uh. they basically hold me indefinitely. I guess there is no limit how long they can keep me here. Um, they try and, well, I had a doctor evaluate me, say there's nothing wrong with me, but then they're trying to discredit the doctor by saying that he doesn't have a PhD, even though he has a master's degree, and he's evaluated thousands of other people, and they're just, uh, I know, exactly what mm -hmm. the last caller was saying. Just they yeah. do, do whatever they want, you know? Well, psychiatry is wonderful for them because people don't know, because, again, obviously all dramas and movies and so on to do with police, uh, psychiatry, hospital. It's all propaganda, as Jack E. Laurel said. And they've conditioned the public that something that truly is clinging on by its fingernails to even try and pretend it's even a science now is given authority over our lives. Yeah. Because really it boils down to, if you ask uh, any psychiatrist, um, what, what, what is mental illness? Yeah. Well, one thing which is different in one culture could be the opposite in another culture and be quite acceptable. Yeah. And they're trying to classify... You see, so it's a matter of, of individual psychiatrists' opinions, and uh, they don't even have a definition of, of what causes it. They can't tell you what causes what they call illness. Uh, and even the whole... Everything is based on theories yeah. of chemical imbalances and everything else, you know? And they try to classify my views as delusional, my political and religious views, because it doesn't fit in with their official views and their mainstream views. And some of the stuff is mentioned on my website, freecarl.com. I know if you've gotten a chance to look at the doctor, government psychiatrist, you know, he 
hired by these same government officials that are keeping me detained, you know, they'll propagate everything they say, but if I have my own private evaluation, they'll try to discredit it and throw it out and won't accept it. And immigration yeah. today just uh, had a doctor here at the center um, provide a report to the court, and he's trying to discredit this uh, expert doctor that my lawyer hired who basically says that I don't have any mental illness. Because yeah. of my political views and religious views, they keep trying to say I'm delusional and I need a structured environment and they can keep me locked up for two years or however long they want. Well, that's the same excuses that they used in the Soviet system, which yes. is now blended with the West. Yes. This, this is why this is happening. In the Soviet system, you were locked up in the gulags yeah. uh, because the you, of your Institute. political views yeah. because they, they claimed you were mentally ill. Yeah, they say you gone Serbsky was the term for it. They sent you to the yeah. Serbsky Institute, and then basically that's what I feel, you know. I feel there's no end to this, you know. Yeah. Well, hang in there and just hope your lawyer can do something, but uh, I know it's a tough battle because yeah. it's all a matter of who's got the biggest bucks. Yeah, I'm and fighting been, this info war. By the and, most convincing you know. talker. <laughs> yeah. I've been fighting this, and I refuse to give in. You know, it's been, what, almost 15 months now. You know, I'm not going to give up, and I believe I should stand up to these people and continue to speak out, and, you know. Yes. Well, good luck on your on, on your your fight there, and uh, wish you all the best. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling. All right. I've got Paul in Ontario. Are you there, Paul? Uh, good evening, uh, Alan. Yes. Uh, I... Uh, I love your show. It's just amazing. Um, I listen to it all the time. I also listen to uh, Henry Mako's work, Bill Cooper, uh, Greg Szymanski, Alex Jones, whatever I could get my hands on, really. I, this newer daughter, I've been at it for about 10 years. And I just wanted to uh, highlight one thing that you talked about in one of your shows way back. It was about how they're trying to eliminate our, our uh, capability of, of our conscious mind, right? Yeah. And I was just thinking, I agree with everything you say and like and how at the at the top everything works together to our own detriment and eventual destruction in order to have, like those Georgia Guidestones in order to reduce us to 500 million uh, servants, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, my only, really, when my conscience kicks in though, and you know, I'm just, I just want to say this to you as a, as a man, like I was, I tell my buddies, there seems to be this thing where we're drawn to money because, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, I went to school with some pretty ugly guys in university, but these guys are all, like, you know, they've become, like, lawyers and uh, teachers and professors. Yeah. These guys are, like, finally, uh, girls don't turn them away anymore. So there is some yeah. truth to the fact that every all this accumulation of wealth is done to please the woman, in a sense, because... There's no like these guys back in university were broke. They were had you know dead end jobs just to pay off tuition, like working at the restaurants, waiters and valet attendants, like whatever part time job they could get their hands on. But now that they're making a bit more wealth, the women come into their lives like nothing. And if they leave, like if they divorce them and take half the money, which happened to a couple of my buddies, I mean that happens too. But it doesn't seem like. And even myself, like, every time, like, even my ex-girlfriend, like, when I've talked to her about, like, every, all this, she'll, like, not really, she'll tune out after a while. But, like, it, it, I think, like, there, you, there is some validity, like, that those at the well, top... Well, you understand. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. 
in a moneyed system, you now live in an aberrant system. Mm-hmm. In a collective tribal system, right. everyone was pretty well equal. Uh-huh. When you introduce the money factor, it's not so much the money itself, it's the fear of having none that becomes the problem. That's called poverty. Women naturally need, it's instinctive, and the feminists will argue this, even though it's true, because it is true. Uh, they need the feeling or idea of security. In the old tribal system, the whole tribe gave security. In a money system, you're split up into small units. But all worried about poverty. Would you... It's not an ideal place to bring up the nest in a situation of poverty. So well, naturally, you get deviant behavior. But would and you money agree with is glorified. Me? Money is glorified is going to be the end all and the savior to everyone, including but, the female. But and would you... yeah, she will go for the guy with the most bucks. Yeah. Would you agree with me, though, that, I mean, if... I mean, I don't know how men were back in the, you know, 500, 600 years ago or centuries ago, but, or, but I could have, like, to me, like, if I could be a, if I could live, like, simply, like, even if I could, like, you know, go live, not in a cave, but, like, even if I had to live in a hut, like, as a tribesman in some, in the Amazon, for, as an example, right, and a woman was faithful to me and lived with me, I'd be happy. So, this whole need to, like, get the best degrees and the best jobs, there is some truth to the fact that you're never 100% she, certain missing, that the missing, woman will stay with you. You're everything I've said. You've missed everything I've but said. She won't stay you're not living in a normal system. It's only yeah, normal because you've been brought up in it. I think it's, it's an much, aberrant system. I think, I can think, only give you an aberrant outcome. Yeah, but we'll women... Back with more after me, these messages. And we've got Keith from Dallas there. Is Keith there? How you doing, Dr. Lyon? How are you? Um, I'm upset as hell, to be honest, but um, that's another thing. Okay, um, thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to share something with you because it's interesting that I'm taking this call after the last call. But I was telling someone, I've been trying to wake someone up for the last, since 911, actually. And I'm basically every day since then have been trying to wake up this one particular person who told me the other day, and she made me very, very sad because, and I just had to call you and share this with you, because she told me that if I keep on telling her that we're all slaves and this and that kind of thing, that she's just going to go and she might as well just quit working and go on welfare and, and uh, just not even try, not try to pursue her dream and this and that and the other. And so I simply try to explain to her what money is and this and that and the other, and especially about religion because her father has a master's degree in theology and he just is so, his ego is so over the top with that. But he's just as dead and blind as the next door neighbor who, you know, doesn't have a master's degree in theology. But anyway, in his perception, he's earn Jesus. money, money, money. Huh? Yeah. And I'm so yeah. she actually made me really sad by telling me that she might as well just quit trying and, and she wants to tell my daughter. Well, I've always told people not to you see, you cannot wake people up, you can't make them wake up. And and I tell people too, be careful who you try. A lot of people cannot handle it. Uh-huh. A lot of people cannot handle it and you have to leave them uh in, in their little blissful sleep because um they can crack up. 
to realise that, that what's coming down the pike is real. And psychologically, they don't have what it takes to come through. You have to, you have to leave them in peace. And, uh, and if they ever do wake up, it'll be through their own efforts and their own recognitions of what's going yeah. on. Not because absolutely you absolutely right, Dr. White. It is something that's internal. You're absolutely right about that. It definitely yeah. does come from within you. And so um, I constantly tell my eight-year-old to use logic and, and to use her brain. And so she shares this, these kinds of things with, say, her grandmother. And her grandmother says, oh, I don't care about logic. And, you know, this yeah. one is completely asleep. Yeah. And um, so I just... And, and you can't let it bother you either, you see. Um you go, you got to, if you're concentrating on one person, you've got to ask what your own motivations are when you could be using so much energy on, on a whole bunch of other people. Yes. Uh, yeah. And maybe it's because you're, 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 you're attracted to them or whatever, but the fact is um, it's best to leave them. But they're, they're telling you they don't want to hear. That's really what they're telling you, and you should respect it. You should respect what Thank they're you. telling you. Yeah, It's, it's a lot easier that. all around. Yeah. And that yeah. way you don't make enemies either, you know. Yes, because I do notice that people, you know, this domestic, well, I don't know, but I guess I'm just a bit of an a-hole because I say a lot of politically incorrect things around people, and I could care less if they don't like it or if they're bothered, they're bothered by it. I could care less because, especially at this point, I mean, I can be in line at Walmart, and I'm just saying all kinds of things about the stupid tabloids and the dumb stories that they give you. Um, through the tabloids and whatever. And I, so I have a comment about everything. Or I'm at someone's house and the news will come on and whatever story comes on, I have something to say about it. So I think yeah. that that bothers people as well. But I just really could care less about being an Well, that's it. See, most people want to go with the flow, cause no nuisance or, 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 or sound and and quietly wander through life. But, but as I say, you can't keep quiet and never try to keep quiet in those situations. But leave, respect people who don't want to be woken up. They're telling you they can't handle it. From Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.